It's okay. So, we are recording now. <laughs> um, welcome everybody to another episode of Unsubscribe. Um, we are going to be talking today about science and faith, or science and Christianity. Um, myself from the original team, Joel, um, will be hosting, but I'm joined by two great guests today, um, Duras and Angus. Um, we're very privileged to have them and I think it's going to be a very interesting conversation. So I will let the guys introduce themselves and I'm going to start with you, Duras. Um, if you could Hi. let the people know who you are. And my question initially is, what's your first memory of being interested in, let's say, science, if I can say it in a generic way? Sure. Well, hi everyone, I'm Duras, and um, yeah, to, to answer what got me interested in science, honestly, this might, this answer might make you laugh, but it's cartoons. Um, nice. One of my favourite cartoons growing up as a kid was this one called Dexter's Laboratory. Yeah. It features a class like, you know, this genius kid who had this giant lab, and I was always fascinated by, like, you know, what type of person would have this giant <laughs> where they can make robots and mix chemicals and you know, use their mind to solve problems or often get themselves into trouble. But <laughs> as a child, I'd always kind of pretend that was him. And um, and obviously, Dexter being a scientist, we'd feel like, I want to be a scientist one day. I want to be able to invent things and make things work and put things together. And that, that was obviously a very juvenile um, understanding of it. But the older I got, the more I realised a lot of thought goes into things we take for granted at both, like mm. in, in the natural world. And... I guess it, I suppose it's a bit more of an of a um, of a fascination in engineering, but at the same time, understanding how all these things work together created well required a very fundamental understanding of science, and I'd always kind of draw my interest towards that. And the older I got, the more I realised what well, science is in effect everywhere and how everything works. And learning simple things such as the the act of sitting on a chair means the chair is exerting equal opposite force to make sure that you're able to to say that and to realise that there's always things acting on other things to make things we take for granted happen. It just made me fascinated with just how that works. And mm. the more I delved into it, the more I, the more amazed I got. And it's, it's just fantastic. And it's just this lifelong, you know, this lifelong process. Mm. No, thank you, Dres. Nice. Um, and Angus, if I move on to you, so as well as the introduction, same question really, like early memories for you of having that interest sort of grow in science. Yeah, hi, I'm Angus. Um, for me, science and probably my earliest encounter with it, probably watching like Attenborough documentaries, uh, like and when he would go explore the world and talk about how you know wildlife and nature coexist and work together. So he would look into the intricacies and the complexities of like flowers and petals and how they attract bees and pollinators, as well as looking at you know, how landforms and just the landscape has changed over time, but also those processes going on behind the scenes and knowing how matter works and how it interacts with you as someone living in this world, but also understanding that, okay, this amazing thing that I live on this planet Earth works perfectly and in unison, and it does that every single day without me knowing. I find that and understanding that my probably my thing I really enjoy and admire about science. Mm. No, thanks, Angus. Now, what I failed to mention actually at the beginning about about our two guests is you both kind of you're involved, I would say, in sort of 
the science industry, if you like. Now, you've got two, if you like, kind of different professions, but if I could go back to you, Darius, if, what, what is it that you do for work and sort of explain how that kind of links in with your faith? Because obviously both of you are, are strong Christian men. You might be too humble to admit it, but <laughs> I can say that about you too. But, you know, to have, to have like Christians that are in the industries that you're in, um, I think it might be a false sort of stereotype, but you mm. would assume that's not the norm. Mm. Yeah. So if I start with you, Duras, like what, what is it you do for work? And do you notice that having your faith is maybe a hindrance in your workplace or does it serve as a benefit? Yeah, so I work in the games industry um, as a designer. And I think my full title is a technical designer. Um, now, how I got into that is through computer science, which is what my degree is largely based in. Um, so that's kind of, so if you were to regard me as a scientist, I'm more of a computer scientist. Mm. Um, how that's, and, and how my faith would affect that. Um, interestingly, I haven't really found much of a help or a hindrance, really. And mm. I know that's somewhat uh, maybe surprising to, to what one might assume, but honestly, I don't really see much of my faith creating much of a hindrance when it comes to the application of my work. Yeah. Um, now, games being you know, in some ways, art and science, I've often come up with um, issues with some of the art in the games I've worked on, uh, or some of the themes I've worked on in the past. Those have caused a lot of conflict, and honestly, in a lot of those projects, I've had to actually step back on and press right. on oh, wow. other things. Um, but the, the, the act of using science, um, I haven't really felt like my faith has helped or hindered it. And my faith mm. has helped me, broadly speaking, as it does in everything. Um, but I don't think it's helped me in science, especially, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, yeah, I suppose that's the, I know it's a bit of a long answer. But no, no, yeah. I find that fascinating because what it's making me think is I find anyway that usually the, the things that are put against each other would be religion and science. Mm. But you're saying that actually the things that you probably see the most conflict in more would be like the art side of it and science. Whereas yeah. usually when you think of religion, you you don't really think of those two as being opposing. Like a lot of times I think any faith, but if we take our faith, Christianity, like there's so many amazing works of art yeah. that have been influenced by the Christian faith. And Absolutely. It's, you don't really, I think, think of the two as having to be very separate and opposing yeah. things. But science and Christianity, you do. So I find your answer actually... Yeah, it's fascinating because it's it's, it's interesting for me to see that actually when in your industry how it plays out is you don't really quite have that dilemma. It's more the art side of it that comes into it. Yeah, and I suppose um, a big part of why science isn't hugely much of a conflict for me is, is the type of science I do is mostly problem solving, coding solutions, um, you know, creating systems to analyze data and print out results. Um, and that's a lot of my day-to-day -day actually, literally making algorithms, data structures, things like that. Mm. So as a result, I, like I said, I don't encounter much of a conflict there. But often when it's, you know, we want to, <coughs> pardon me, um, <clears throat> if you want to make, say, a level in a game, and that level depicts something I consider quite objectionable, which has happened in the past, and you know, for legal reasons, I don't know exactly <laughs> what. Yeah. But that's often where I, I'm like, does it have to look like this? Does it have to sound like this? Do you have to call it that? These are often the things like usually mm -hmm. I'm the one piping up in meetings saying, um, I'm not comfortable with this. So, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but when it comes to the science part of it, then yeah, I don't really encounter much issue. Mm. Yeah. 
how about for you, Angus? So in your, and I'll let you explain kind of what you do, but in your industry, mm. sort of same question, have you come up, have you come against barriers, would you say, with being a Christian in the, the line of work that you've chosen to do? Yeah, so I'm, um, I'm in teaching, so I'm a science and physics, sorry, chemistry and physics teacher, but also I'm doing my PhD at the same time, and that PhD is in science. So I think for me, it's been tough because when you're in academia and, you know, the general acceptance is of, you know, particular theories, whether it's uh, the Big Bang Theory or it's um, evolution as far as uh, how we determine into our, our species we have today, that was, I think, tough for me because obviously when we went to uni and studied uh, pharmaceutical chemistry, I was up against... Yeah, the majority being um, non-believers, whether it was in, you know, um, they were atheists or agnostic or even anti-theist. Mm. I think for me then, being one of the few and probably the more vocal of the few right. who were Christian and Bible-believing, that interaction at first was definitely a tough one. But also, I would say, because that's probably my hindrance, but then that gave me opportunities to then talk about, okay, how does it fit for me? How does two massive jigsaw pieces fit in my life and fit in my eyes and then now when I'm teaching and uh, obviously at a university when you have to teach the curriculum or you have to teach you know GCSE or A level of physics and chemistry and those are hard-hitting uh, subjects you have to teach what the government tells you mm. and you know you're not meant to put your own politics or your own um, angle on it but it does end up opportunities to talk about, okay, here's what I teach you. And then a student may you know, pick up and say, oh, so what about this? And well, well this is what happened. This is what um, you know, Darwin thought. This is what um, the current scientists today think. But also there's another the side of that that these teachers think, or these uh, professors and scientists think about as well. So I think the benefit has been opportunities I've had mm -hmm. and conversations that have started from that. So I was called Bio Basher and I took on the chin <laughs> because that gave me opportunity to then say, okay, let's go. Let's yeah. talk about this. But I've had to re-up my game as far as backing myself in my yeah. own corner. So yeah, opportunities definitely, but not an easy beginning to my science. Yeah, no, definitely. no, I can imagine. So to me, it kind of leads on to one of the big questions I had, which is why do you guys feel that, that science and religion often get put as opposing things because one thing i've picked up from what both of you were saying is your interest grew from the kind of fascination of the world around you and what i would say as a christian and i'm sure you guys would agree is that also feeds the fascination in the world around you like to the more you you deepen your relationship with god it gives you an appreciation for this world we live in so in a very simplistic sense, you would assume the two are a match made in heaven. But often that's not how it's presented to us. It's usually an either or. Like mm. you're a religion person or you're a science person and you can't be both. So where do you think that comes from, this, this sort of conflict of those two ideas? I think for me, it's when there's been, obviously because clergymen were, you know, the intelligent um, ones back then were making the discoveries or making the statements that the general populace believed in. And then as science improved and our technology improved and our accuracy improved, where we used to 
well, what was accepted as we fill the gaps with God. Like, oh, so why does this work? Oh, because mm. God said it so. As that intelligence increased, we've then found the answers, so to speak, and said, you know, we'll take uh, bacteria and their flagellum. So we, we thought, you know, that's a ridiculous design for LCE propels them in swimming, but there's so many more efficient ways of doing that. So we said, oh, that's God and, and um, his design of the thing to be perfect. But we didn't understand that just yet. Then as technology increased, we then said, oh, actually, no, 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 here's the reason why that animal or that bacterium evolved that way. So it's been a constant to and fro of, you know, God's the answer and faith's the answer. And then suddenly technology increased and we've had a human answer for it instead. Mm -hmm. So that to and fro of finding the gap slash filling the gap slash finding the gap. I think that's where religion and science have been in conflict. And that's where I think some people can get really down as far as oh yeah I think it's God and then feeling feeling like that no that's been answered by science so that's been answered by mankind's mind mm. whereas yeah that can be a confusing place for some people mm. yeah I think there's a sociological component to this mm. as well because uh, everything you say I completely agree with um, for, for the record but I think um, a particular way to look at this is that I suppose if we if we you know class Christianity as a religion in this particular context, it set off it initially conceived of, um, in one way a particular goal, which was to help guide the way we act and the way we relate to others, but also how how things work because mm. there was a lack of a better explanation at the time. Yeah. So religion kind of served both these purposes when perhaps it didn't need to, but there was a lack of better explanation at the time because I mean. Understanding how things work now doesn't change the fact that God did it. Yeah. However, um, when we didn't have such detailed answers, we had to rely on purely God. And as these answers developed, it became an opposition. Mm, like, yeah. Well, you know, we know more than you now. Yeah. When, when, when in reality, the object of the, the objective of it wasn't to answer every single question about the universe. So there was like almost like this misapprehension of these goals. And on top of that. As we progress into a more godless society, we love the idea of being superior to certain yep. things, right? So that naturally created this opposition that I don't think has, has ever truly been appropriate. Mm. Um, but I think that's part of the explanation. There's, of course, a multifaceted question of yeah. a hundred different answers. But I think I, and from what I see, when I, when I look at people who kind of use their knowledge of science to, to denigrate Christianity, that's often the angle they go for. We know more than you. Therefore, we are better than you. Therefore, what you believe is false. Yeah. But in reality, my faith was never rooted in knowing how things work. It was rooted in what is what is faith? What is my salvation? Why am I here? What is my purpose? Mm. Not how does how does the sun work? How does the sky work? Yeah. If that mm. makes sense. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And do you think some of that could even stem from a a response to maybe the opposite happening, whereas people have maybe been led to believe that look. I'm going to hit you with this Christian, this Bible verse, accept it. I know more than you. And almost like not being encouraged to, to look into it. So perhaps there's almost a, a counter response as in, well, I do want to try and figure this out for myself. But because maybe of how it's been presented to you, you would be tempted to find the answer completely elsewhere rather than maybe go into your own faith in a deeper way to figure out the answers. I think then... Being obviously part of the one on this world at the moment, where, as you say, we've been given an answer in a like a faith-based 
you know, um, realm, and then man going to find their own answer in their own world, worldly view. I think that's absolutely right. Where I guess not prize is maybe the wrong word, but striving for their own answer, yeah, and wanting to understand that matter, that um, phenomenon in their own mind, and not having to understand that these complexities are the supernatural power. Mm. Of something that's uh, above us. <coughs> yeah, that's for me. I think you. Know, I mean, you phrased the question brilliantly because I think when looking at the history of the church, or even before, I guess. I mean, I guess we're post post Reformation now, right? Mm. But yeah. before then, when it was more akin to modern day Catholicism, it was all wisdom and all communication of God is through the clergy. Right. Right? Yes, and definitely. Therefore, and this is this was in a generation where illiteracy was the norm, right? So mm. very few people could read. Very few people could write. It was usually the clergy could do both these things, and it was up to them to disseminate wisdom across the masses. And as the general level of education went up, people would strive to do these things for themselves. Of course, many parts of the Bible back then were adapted or changed to suit various translations, yeah. which would sow distrust. And when that happens, again, you're thinking, you know, do I know more than them? I think I do. And but at the same time, I think, and I'm saying I think it because I don't know this to be true, mm. but I. I could see why there would be Christians who are resistant to that wisdom being disseminated and therefore doubling down on their faith and not wanting anything questioned. And mm. Again, kind of the other side of your position, so to speak, and therefore almost creating that defensive position that pushes people a bit further away, Yeah, if that makes sense. No, completely. I completely hear what you're saying. And I think, like, to use the common phrase, like, knowledge is power, I think... Mm. I, there's a part of me, and same as you, I can't claim to know concretely this is the answer, but I often wonder, yeah, is some of this stem from a response to feeling almost, you know, I had questions, I was almost made to feel like I shouldn't be seeking the answer yeah. because that would mean I don't have a faith or I don't have this and that. So the only way you could probably feel like you had power in that situation is to seek knowledge for yourself. And somewhere along the line, people can probably be made to feel, well, I will not find any knowledge in this book called the Bible. I can seek it elsewhere. Mm-hmm. The way that science would present itself is very black and white, concrete. If you ask what this and this is, it gives you a solid answer, mm-hmm. and that's what I need. What I find intriguing, two things. One, and not to go terribly off topic, but a lot of the people I've often found, particularly the the most vocal sort of, anti-religious people are usually from a background of religion and then it's more it comes across to me more like a rebellion rather than a like a logical response I would say but the second point is that there's just a couple of verses I want to give as as an example of this point um, is that it's almost a myth that the bible teaches us to not go deeper into exploring this. So one of the verses is in the book of Psalms. So Psalms uh, 111 um, verse 2, it says, How amazing are the deeds of the Lord. All who delight in him should ponder them. Different translations sometimes um, change the word ponder to study. So everyone who delights in the Lord Mm. should study these things. Proverbs 14.15 says, uh, this is the New Living Translation. It says, Only simpletons believe everything they're told. The prudent carefully consider their steps. Now, this is just a couple of examples, but 
even from that, you can clearly see that the Bible isn't a book that would tell its, its readers to not examine things mm. carefully. But do you feel that um, there's often, even within Christianity, this misconception that you shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't go too deep into something or it might equate to a lack of faith or a lack of trust in God over a particular situation? I think then, so, I always come back to, I think it's Matthew that, he says, like, love your God with all your heart, mind, heart, mind, and soul. So that mind element for me is saying, that's where my science comes in. So I'm asking questions why, I'm asking questions how, and that's my mind being for God. So I'll see your heart's obviously in it, your soul's there spiritually, but your mind's asking the questions, hey, I know how this works. I know that you made this God. I can see these complexities. I can see these mechanisms working together in harmony. And that's obviously we see that around us every day. So I think asking those questions for me is one of the most important things being a, being a Christian because it makes you study. As you say, that, that study there, you will be studying your Bible. You've got to be studying and getting to know God even better through study. Because, you know, like in science, like in your own field, if you're not keeping on your game, if you're not putting in the hard work and the reading or the practicing or the working out, you're not going to improve. You're mm -hmm. not going to then carry on your journey. You're going to fall off the boat. You're going to, you know, you fall out of faith. Mm -hmm. So I think having that element of study there and finding, wanting to find out more, that, that interest, that curiosity to find out more is what, for me, that science and faith comes perfectly into, you know, unison. Mm -hmm. So I think that's for me. Yeah, definitely. I like that concept of study as well, because that's something as well that I think I often find, um, and I don't know if you guys agree, that, again, there's so many fascinating things in this world that don't you studying them does not lead you away from, from God. Yeah. I think anything at the expense of God is dangerous. Yeah. But... I would think, I find that science falls into this weird category often, and I'm speaking probably more of the point of how I think a lot of Christians can think. Mm -hmm. It falls into this weird category where it's almost like, be careful of that. Like, don't read your science books too much because it's going to take you away from God. But I think you wouldn't, you wouldn't suggest that to someone who's studying English. You would almost say, yeah, study it, because that's going to help you understand your Bible mm. more. Whereas I think reading of the things of this world that a science textbook might be able to give you could help you understand the things of the Bible more. Now, don't get me wrong, if you do it at the expense, as in you never pick up your Bible again, yeah, yeah. I believe you will lose your way. <coughs> Same way as if you studied English and never picked up your Bible again. Yeah. What's it all for? But what do you, do you guys, do you guys agree with that? Or do you think it's, it's not quite that, like this idea that there can almost be this fear within the Christian faith sometimes of if you were to study science, the things of science, there's a risk that it's going to corrupt you and lead you away from from the faith. I wouldn't say there's a risk, but um, I think to be fair to people who kind of elevate science above God, there are certain questions that science raises that perhaps as Christians you don't have the best answers for. And because of that, you're often, when, when placed in such situations, you're often being put in a position where you have to accept the fact that you don't have an answer to this question. Yes. And 
that may worry people. Like one one such example that bothered me and I still don't really have an answer to is allergies, right? How allergies work. Like when you, when you learn more and more about allergies, you realize the body is having an overactive immune system that makes it literally attack itself. And a question would be why would God make the human body do something so horrible to itself? Mm. And, you know, now obviously that question didn't shake my faith, but it's not a question I have the best answer for because honestly I don't know. Um, and I guess that therein lies one of the core points of faith, which is you're not meant to necessarily know everything, mm. or the answer isn't necessarily an obvious one to you right now. And you have to ask yourself, am I okay with having this question that hasn't got a clear answer right now and still having my faith in God? For, for a lot of people, it's, it's a struggle. And it's a struggle I can empathize with. But um, personally, for me, I've seen these questions answered eventually. And I, yeah. I know, I believe that one day, I, maybe the answer already exists, and I just haven't looked deeply enough personally <laughs> because mm. I'm not an immunologist. I don't have necessarily the time to study that full time. Um, and maybe there is no answer, or no good answer that reconciles faith with this with this particular aspect of science. But again, that's not necessarily a terrible thing. There's all pleasure this for those suffering. Um, it doesn't necessarily disprove the validity of Christianity or anything. It just it's just an unanswered question. Mm. I think that's yeah. You make an interesting point about not having all the answers because I think with scientists that can real be that can be a real bug can be something that infuriates them but then that's where I think having a faith and having then experience in your life comes into play so you believe in God because of your experience in my opinion mm. so you don't believe in God because you've been brought up in a Christian home and that's the thing you do I think that's going to wear out pretty quickly when you get isolated at university or you're living alone if that's where you base your faith in that's going to run out of steam but you basically put your faith in your experience and then alongside that, your understanding of the Bible and understanding of God. Obviously, you can't be fully comprehended because he is far, far more divine than us. He is divine, full stop. But I think when you say about not having all the questions, all the answers, sorry, that's something that we're, as a race, are looking into. But then as individual Christians, that makes us more interested for me it makes it more interested in god and more interested in mm. how you know how i guess i guess like inspired you were to make these things to make us in your image mm. and the amount of effort and time and thought you put into us that even now we still understand everything about our own bodies and obviously people around the world have thousands of thousands of allergies to all different manners of things but that's because we're so complex yeah yeah so yeah. i think that question is a brilliant one but also reinforced the fact that we are just that complex mm. yeah as yeah. as things as objects as you know mm. gifts to this you know and and sometimes the the questions that are being asked are not the same questions mm. so yeah in the same way that as a Christian, we may not be able to answer categorically, oh, this is the reason people have allergies. Can science answer that same question? I would argue not. It can it can explain that there are allergies, it can explain it can explain very much what is happening and how it's happening. But I believe there's a lot of things that also can it cannot explain why. And that's the mystery of of the world we live in. And I often find that there 
a misconception from the eyes the notes on the other side is science relies hugely on faith hugely yeah. it just phrases it differently and if i think back to to my earliest memories i, I was always massively interested in science at school particularly um subjects like biology things to do with the world yeah. and one of the things i was always fascinated with when i was a kid was space it just mm. intrigued me to no end and I became what I would say is a born again Christian later in life. I was at university and I was uh, 21 at the time. But what I will always say is I, all, I never have had a period in my life where I would say I was a non-believer in God. Because even as a child, it just, it logically made less sense to me that there's no God. And I remember studying at school, they would introduce the theory of the Big Bang. And that was the, the one concept that really got me thinking and actually solidified this thought that I had, that there must be something, because yeah. I, there were a number of concepts we were learning at the same time. And I remember in physics, we were learning about um, energy. And I remember just one concept that I found fascinating was that energy, it, it, it's almost like not created, it just transfers. Mm. So it, you don't lose it if you, if you, it might change the form that it's in. Yeah. So it might go, I don't know, from kinetic to thermal or something like that but it doesn't disappear. And then we were learning about the Big Bang at the same time, and I remember thinking, but so then with that logic, how could something come from nothing? It's impossible. Now, the idea of there being something beyond our comprehension that is all powerful that, that, that did it, as difficult as that might be to believe, that's more believable than, to me, something that goes against the very fundamentals of what it is preaching in that you cannot have not you cannot have something come from nothing but yet we will say that did happen to start this chain of reactions that we've got to me that shows a whole lot of faith in in a system like you have to have faith to believe in the system that you're you're saying yeah. so what do you guys think of that point do you think that there is just as much element of faith within science. So to a degree, um, I'm smiling because um, even though like I've been, I've been a believer my whole life and I've been interested in science my whole life, I think there was, I can remember a moment when I started to think about how these two things can be intertwined. And it was funny enough, I was in a science class at school yeah. with a Christian, with a science teacher who was also Christian. Okay made the comments about the Big Bang and said, why couldn't the Big Bang just be God saying that there'd be light? Mm. Why, why do these two things have to be wow. separate? Yeah. Right? And I just thought, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> because again, I, I've answered as I've got older. Now, I'm, I'm not necessarily in the camp of people that, that believes the Bible is entirely metaphorical. Because I know that there's a, um, a certain subset of believers who kind of rationalize the Bible by saying, oh, you know, it's just it's all one big metaphor. Right, right. Yeah. And, and you know, Jesus uses metaphors a lot. When talking about parables, it's not like metaphors don't exist in the Bible, but I think a better way to talk about the Bible, especially when it approaches topics as existential as create, um, creation and stuff like that, is I don't think it's necessarily important for. I mean, I think the argument is that Moses wrote the book of Genesis, right? So at least one of the prevailing arguments. So let's say Moses is writing the book of Genesis. Was it necessary for Moses to know the exact mechanics behind how the world was created? Mm -hmm. Or was it enough to understand? God's role in creation. So, 
when Moses wrote Let There Be Light, or God said Let There Be Light, that, we don't know what that looked like from space. We don't know exactly how that literally transpired. We have Moses' interpretation of what he was inspired by God to write. And I don't see why that couldn't have been something approximating the Big Bang or anything like that. Mm. And when my, and it was, this isn't my thought, this is literally something my physics teacher said in secondary mm. school. And that almost was like a second awakening for me. Like my first one was when I, you know, saw that cartoon and thought, I want to get into this. And um, yeah. But I, at that point, it's not like I thought about these about science as faith as necessarily in their antagonistic relationships with each other. But at the same time, I never really thought about them working together, really, until that conversation with my teacher. And from that point on, looking at Christianity through that scientific lens and also looking at science through a Christian lens, I realised they are just two sides of a different coin. One is, one is explaining why, the other is explaining how. And I kind of see science as almost like the how to things and God as the why to things in, in mm. a lot of ways. And and you can see this in, in a lot of things. Like the idea of like lots of things that work scientifically also tend to coincide with what we believe biblically. And I can only think of like one example I can think of, it is a bit explicit, but um but it was in the science of relationships actually, the idea of monogamous monogamous relationships and the idea of us being so against sex before marriage and sleeping around. Well, I think we can all agree there will be much, much fewer STIs if we all just have sure. one sexual partner. Like, just things like that. And, mm -hmm. again, these are concepts that the Bible teaches. It doesn't necessarily use that exact language or that, because maybe it wasn't available back then and maybe it wasn't the point. The point yeah. was these are the ways God is instructing us to live and God is instructing us to relate to the world. And it just so happens that, unfortunately to a lot of atheists, the science kind of backs up a lot of these Christian axioms, which is why our legal system, for the most part, is based off Judeo-Christian values and have been for the past, what, 500 years now yeah, or something? Yeah. Mm, so, so, wow. um, so that's one thing. <laughs> that yeah. was all one point. <laughs> but um, another point I want to touch on ever so slightly as well, and I actually look forward to hearing you expand on this mm. if, you have a, if you have an opinion on it, which is I think there's a bit of a misconception that science has hard answers to things. Um, yeah, right. Science as, um, and I think... There's a concept called scientism, um, which is like this almost zealous belief in the scientific process, which has been criticised by mm. many people. The idea that we look at science as a complete objective truth, when in reality, science is a method of inquiry. It's meant to be disproven. Like, scientific experiments are meant to be falsified and in interrogated and, and proved and then disproved. Like, that is what mm. the scientific process is. It's actually a practice of proving yourself wrong essentially and people who don't see it that way tend to be the people who are really in your face about how much better science is than faith when they got it wrong because the scientific process and scientific discoveries have been disproven time and time again and you're meant to relish that you're meant to actually yeah. enjoy the inquiry and you know for for ethnic minorities for instance science was used to justify all kinds of racist acts mm, you know, yeah. at a certain point in history and we can all in hindsight agree that was clearly incorrect and unscientific so yeah. Yeah, I don't. It's um, a lot of people from who operate under the assumption that science is this hard answer that has, you know, whenever whenever science answers a question, that's the final answer. I always find that kind of funny because mm -hmm. I think both another thing, science and faith both have in common is we're constantly re-examining and rediscovering and finding new interpretations, and that's meant to be the fun of it. You know, that's meant to be the the joy of it, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting you brought up that. Um those hard answers in your second point about science. So um, I quite like 
John Lennox, he's an absolute, you know, big name in the world of science and religion. So in 2019, he released a book, uh, Does Science Answer Everything? Something like that. 2019, and he, he's lectured at Oxford. He's a renowned mathematician. And he goes through several bases of how science doesn't then say, okay, this is the answer for right. this phenomenon that, work, that works in the world and how he debunks that. He then goes through, okay, no, how does religion, how does God come into the equation? So, and my, my, I think a good question for me is when they talk about, when people talk about creationism and saying, um, you know, if you carbon date, the, if you carbon date the earth, if you go through, you know, catalogs of information, we can go back, you know, billion, billions of years about the age of the earth. And then for me, John Lennox talks about that, and he talks about how, I would take um, uh, mature universe theory, so that the universe had age. So God made trees, God made animals, God made you know um, plants. He didn't make them as seeds, he didn't make them as eggs, he didn't make them as chicks. He made those things with, with you know, biological age, but not chronological age. So they would have been, you know, a day old. Yeah when they were made, but they had the cells of a mature right. being, objects, yeah, yeah. that sort of thing. So again, that is still obviously mature, mature universe theory, but then if you argue the theory bit, it's still called the theory of gravity, but if you didn't believe in theories, we'd be all flying up. Yeah. <laughs> so he, it's really interesting. If you, if you do the opportunity, John Lennox is an absolute wonder when it comes for, when it comes to answering some of those tough questions with God and, going through how science has um, sometimes been antagonistic towards, and you bring up scientism, which is absolutely apt, because I completely agree with you there, how scientism, and I don't know why, but usually isn't get pinned on some things that aren't necessarily the best thing in the world, but um, that's exactly true, where scientism goes maybe a bit, to, like, you know, takes science and twists it to something that it's not. So... Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point about those hard answers and how the science is meant to be, you know, intrigue and um, validation. And you keep on validating these things. There's only a couple laws, well, not a couple, there's a fair few laws, but that pales in comparison to all the theories we exactly. have. Yeah. The laws are stated. The theories are there to be reworked, re revisited, revised. Obviously, some of them have been very well revised, like I mentioned gravity, but they're still there to be you know, recalculated and checked again and proven mm. and keep going until made a law, that sort of thing. Yeah, and even scientific law, I mean, <coughs> I suppose in, in scientific community, scientific law is about as certain as you can get. Yes, but exactly. But even then, there's still like yeah. a small degree of margin of error and that, yeah, yeah. that they themselves acknowledge. At least any scientist worth their salt, mm. you know, any scientist who is, you know, humble enough to love the act of being a scientist, yeah. they will all tell you even scientific laws have a small margin just in case. Yeah. Right? <laughs> because then you're not, because like you said, science science is inquiry. You're yeah. meant, it's meant to be good when you're disproven because it means you're that step closer to finding the natural truth. Mm. And when it comes to theory, um, scientific theory is meant to just help explain phenomena, right? It's like, it's help, like the theory of gravity is, what it is, is it's an attempt to explain why we're not floating up in the sky. But it's, in this, it's an attempt to explain it. And mm -hmm. that in and of itself comes with all kinds of caveats and refinements and mm -hmm. constant ways to tweak it. So, yeah, complete agreement would be there.
do you feel Angus in to take Darius's point just there yeah. in your experience with like the scientists that, that you've been around is that genuinely what you notice is that scientists do actually relish in being proven wrong or is that something that sounds good as a concept but the human nature kicks in and actually that isn't what really they aim for yes yeah, I think that's it's a great question because I've met people in like studying science and stuff at university and in uh, research where they found a field they really love and that field they are I think a good true scientist but when it comes to other fields there I think maybe their worldview has like, been askewed by I guess not pop culture but pop culture as far as science is concerned right so I've met and studied under scientists who were absolutely brilliant scientists. They were all about curiosity, they were all about finding and checking things and understanding something into the you know, deepest, deepest detail. But, and it's strange because I find that, interestingly, it's the older professors that I've met who are like that. Right. Like, there's probably like the newest scientists and like the, you know, the, Millennial scientists and then um, the what was that? Gen Z, Gen Z, that sort of thing. Um, they're obviously really interested, but they've had so much social media, so much, so much pop culture in there as well as they're going mm -hmm. to study, which can be a really good thing. It's very eye opening sometimes. It's very um, and there's elements of you know social form which are good, but then I think some older scientists have had that pure aspect of science where it's mm. I want to do science because of science mm -hmm. not I want to do science because I want to prove the thing I thought of all all along right. so more so wherever this will lead me yeah that's that's, that's it yeah exactly that um, and then it's the, a, a middle ground between like the older professors I've met and more younger um, and then there's uh, ourselves who are probably really interested in finding out things mm. for interest's sake but you're absolutely right. I think there's there are definitely some scientists out there. I'm not saying I'm perfect as a scientist, but there are definitely some scientists who want to find out answers because they want to find those answers, not because mm. of the sheer the sheer curiosity of questioning. They want the answers rather than more questions. Yeah, no, completely. And it leads me to think, just on a personal level, that's that's an example for me of like one of the biggest. I guess things that just fascinated me about the Bible when I started reading it is that I was coming from a place where I needed answers to different aspects of my life, not one or two specific areas. Mm. And to date, the Bible is the closest thing that I've found that can speak to every area of my life. Mm. And I often find like, perhaps something that unfairly happens with with the Bible or when people talk about the Christian faith or religion in general is that you're almost taking an expert view of a very specific topic and then you're trying to compare it to a more holistic book. The thing you guys mentioned earlier is a great example of if we take the, the concept that, you know, is generally accepted that Moses wrote the book of Genesis what at 
you have to consider what was his audience, what was his reasoning for writing this book, what was his inspiration, was was his um, was his feeling behind it that I need to accurately, in a scientific way, document how the world begun. I don't think when you read the book that clearly to me comes across that that wasn't the that wasn't the mo that wasn't exactly what he was trying to do and. Yeah. For me, like the industry I work in, I'm a, I'm a project manager and I work in the construction industry and I work with so many different people from different backgrounds, engineers, consultants, architects, amazing people. And my job is to take all of the information that they give me and present that to my clients, to present that to the, to the people in a way that they can understand that's mm. useful for them. Me doing it does not take away from any of the truth that each one of those consultants gives me. But it would I would not be doing my job well if I go to you as an engineer and you give me a detailed technical breakdown of how the mechanical and electrical setup in this block of flats is gonna be. Yeah. And then I go to Duras, who is an incredibly skilled architect, and he, he gives me a, a design that solves a million and one problems. I cannot present your info in its rawest form yeah. to my client group. They, they need it, it. They need it packaged in a way that encompasses the truth that you've given me, mm -hmm. but in a way that is relevant to what they need. And I feel that that's what the that's what the Bible does. It yeah. it takes the truth of the world of so many different aspects, and it's God's way of packaging it to us in a way that we can understand. We are not God, as much as a lot of us deep down, I guess, can have those desires of like we want to understand mm -hmm. everything and be all knowledgeable. That is a trait that only God could have yeah. to be all knowledgeable. So I find like with the Bible, it, I don't view it as its purpose is to explicitly explain to me how the world was created or when you've got someone that might be, that's their study. Maybe the sole focus of their life is to study the universe and how the universe began. So then compare that to what the Bible says about how the universe began. I think it's an unfair comparison yeah. because the Bible didn't set out to to make that argument yeah. yeah it was giving you an example of how the world came to be but in the same way that i wouldn't go to the someone has come up with a theory of of the big bang and i'm thinking do you know what? i've lost someone very close to me and i don't know how to deal with this grief mm. let me go to the theory of the big bang to, yeah it would be foolish and imagine i was criticizing that scientist and yeah. saying how foolish is your theory this is not helping me get through my grief they would say I never set out to, yeah. to prove that. That wasn't what I was here to do. And so I often find that that's kind of what I see happen a lot of the times in this science versus religion debate. Mm -hmm. It's almost a, it's an unfair comparison. Yeah. Like the religion is almost, it's like the straw man that's there to be attacked. Yeah, yeah. Knocked down. It's setting up a false dichotomy, basically. Yeah, right. yeah like I think people... I think we need to we need to remind ourselves of what a miracle the Bible actually is. Like when you look at it, it's a series of texts and letters and poems and axioms and philosophies that are thousands of years apart mm -hmm. when you think about it. And yet certain people from various religious organizations, specifically like Catholics and during the Reformation movement, found the inspiration to collate all these works and put it into a coherent piece of literature that we can now reference. So the goal there was never to answer the mysteries of the universe. It was to create this 
coherent history of the world as it relates to God in a way that allows us to confront grief or to mm. look for strength or to find inspiration. That was always his goal. And it's why so many of the stories in the Bible about how we can personally relate to those people. Yeah. If I want to, if, if I'm just in a bad place and I want to grieve and I want to understand grief, Lamentations is there for you. If you want mm. wisdom, there's Proverbs. If you want to understand the gospel, there's a course of four gospels. If you want to look at biggest example of some of the one of the most heinous individuals turning around just look at Acts right so like yeah. these are all these none of the lessons none of the intentions here is to educate one scientifically and I think the problem or I think one of the problems that created this whole schism in the first place is that it just so happens to feature a book in the Bible that happens to talk about the origins of the universe from a particular perspective and I think from that point on just because it's depicted We've always looked at that as a challenge of, oh, so you're saying that's how it literally happened, but now I need to disprove it. But again, never the point. Like, the whole context of talking about the world's creation was to frame the story of Adam and Eve and talk about, ultimately, the fall of man. The whole point of Genesis mm -hmm. wasn't to talk about how God made the world. Right, yeah. It was to set the context behind why we sin, why we need Jesus, why we need redemption, why we have all these negative emotions, right? That's what it was there to do. Yeah. And in that, when you look at it from that angle, it's hugely applicable because now we're talking about Genesis just happens thousands of years before the book of um, the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and yet you can find references in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all the way back to Genesis. Yeah. Like mm. it was a very deliberate attempt to, you know, create sense in this chaotic mass of existence, and in that particular remit, the Bible has succeeded miraculously in a way no other book ever has. Mm. That's to me the point of the Bible and the point of my faith it's never been about I'm going to read this book to discover how bacteria works or mm. how like tectonic plates shifts during earthquake, um, earthquakes <laughs> and things like that fascinating as that information is and yes the Bible depicts earthquakes and it depicts sickness and illness but in the context of something else usually about our faith not in mm. the context of here's how this thing particularly worked so yeah I guess I'm sounding a bit like a broken record here but it's always that's always been my my uh, what's annoyed me about, mm. the, about the kind of um, pitting of religion and faith uh, and, and science against each other as if these two things are setting out to do anything remotely similar to each other. Yeah, no, no, completely. And funnily enough, I want to give the same question to you, Angus, mm. is do, do you ever get frustrated with the way that science and religion do often get pitted against each other? Yeah, because to me, the Bible is like a... Like a love letter from God to us. But he loved us so much. Obviously, sin was in the world, but he loved us that much that he gave us his son and he gave his son away for us. And I think, yeah, I do I do receive grief for it because then, you know, I'm able to, or I have to be able to be a scientist so I shouldn't believe in something that's... Right not a scientific textbook or not, you know, based in fact and data. Um, but also, I think, with that grief, again, I've been opportunities to talk about, to bring up the gospel, to um, understand people inherently, what do they believe in, why they believe those things. Mm. So I think actually more power to you because you're having to defend your faith and talk about, okay, what does the Bible mean to me and what is the Bible? You start those conversations, you start those, um, you know, fact-finding details about a person's life or a person's behaviour or their attitudes towards X, Y, and Z. 
So that could be God's potential for you saying, look, I want you to be a scientist in this field because it's so sparse with Christians. It's so sparse with a light in the darkness. So he's, make, he's given you to be a candle in the darkness or salt on the earth sort of thing. Um, so I, it do, I do get annoyed at it because it is always a battle, but we know we're going to be constantly in a battle. We've been given armor, we've been given weapons, we've been given this Bible to, as our weapon. So that for me is an annoyance, but saying that, Turn around to be, yeah, you know, a boon sort of sort of thing. Definitely. Have you had experiences of of assumptions being made about you when people find out you're a Christian yeah. in the science world? Yeah, yeah. Do so you have a lot of assumptions made. Exactly. So like, you know, first year labs. Uh, it, I think it was. I think I mentioned to friends I was going to church. I was going to like we call it small group back in my CU. Yeah. Um, so like house group, and then that spread about in my lab group. So I was like, oh, bio basher. I was like, cool. I mentioned, <laughs> mentioned before, but then he was like, nah, he's, nah, he's not really, he's not really a bio basher. He's, yeah, he's, he's, he's one of us still. <laughs> so he's like, oh, we'll just mess around with him a bit, but he's still one of us. Um, so they thought, I think, yeah, they, they wrongly assumed that I did it because it made me feel good, but I'm also a scientist. Right. So I, I feel good because I go to church. I feel, I feel good because <laughs> I go to small group and you know, talk about my feelings sort of thing. But I'm based in science, so yeah. There's there's been assumptions where you know, like they're saying to me, Angus, you know we're right, but you know, just, <laughs> what are you playing, man? What are you, what are you playing? Yeah. Um, but so I think I've been assumed first. As soon as they find out scientists, because that's usually the first thing. Then when we talk about things, it comes up that I'm a Christian. So that's the assumption: I'm a scientist first, and then right. a Christian as like a you know, a tributary to my to my oh. life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, so that's my encounter. I've had many times and the assumption has been made that it's more of like a not a coping mechanism, but something that emotionally and spiritually is an attachment rather than something um I guess rationally and a and a, and a thought and a um I guess like a mental facet for answering things and, be and behaving a certain way. Mm. That's probably my my view on it. Have you had similar things? It's hard to say because um, game development <coughs> and then that's with computer science um, is I guess regarded somewhat differently to the traditional sciences, right? So I don't think people had as much of an issue um, reconciling my Christianity with my uh, love of computer science necessarily. Mm. I did. I also made up assumptions, but. When I say I don't, I didn't encounter much issues. Is I didn't encounter much issues that were related to science in particular. Sure. But I of course encountered yeah. issues with just general atheists and the idea of being a Christian. Period. Mm. Um, but it wasn't oh you're a Christian and you make games. How does that work? It's more like oh you're a Christian. How does that work? Mm. Um, yeah. But yeah, of course the assumptions were made that Bible Basher being the chief among them. Uh, but uh, as I was mentioning you know, before the recording started, I wasn't all that social in university anyway. So. <laughs> I was always, I was already considered a bit of a weirdo, so they, they were like, "Yeah, he might as well be a Christian too." Just that, on top of all the other things, you know, he doesn't drink, doesn't go partying. Yeah. He might as well be Christian too, whatever. Um, so uh, I did encounter, you know, things there, but uh, it was never really because of my uh, my degree or what I was studying. Mm. Um, it, and funny enough, by the end of my time at university, it was almost looked at with admiration because um, I used to, I didn't, um, I didn't move out for uni. I stayed in London. 
so I still had access to my, my home church right. and my mm. family. And I'd often, every Friday we had this uh, youth program and I'd, I'd be very, you know, very um, public about the fact that I was going to do this thing every Friday because I'd, we had like this, um, I was about to say school uniform, thinking like a parent. <laughs> we had like a, um, a kind of like a jumper um, for the church that you'd wear during Merch, the church. Nice. Yeah, so, <laughs> and the thing is, it was always easier for me to just go to uni wearing that jumper than it was to, okay. you know, go to uni, go home, get changed, and then go to church. Right. Mm. When going in with my church jumper, but I can just go to church straight from uni afterwards. Mm. Um, and it was always like, oh, okay, Duras isn't coming because it's Friday, he's got his church thing. And yeah, by the end of it, I actually got a few people to come with me. So that oh, was nice. That was fun, actually. Um, you know, because, yeah, it was just, I didn't back down from talking about it. Yeah, like, yeah, I wasn't yeah. overly preachy or anything, but I was always very much like, can't go to this thing, I've got church mm. on Friday. And um, yeah, yeah. so, you know, first year, you know, um, another thing we discussed, which was fascinating up before the podcast recording started, this notion that as a university student or as someone in that kind of age group, you're doing a lot of pushing back against um, Yeah is what you believe to be your, mm. your conditioning, right? And you're always, you're, you feel empowered to ridicule things that are considered traditional. So in that respect, in my first year of uni, there was plenty of anti-Christian rhetoric in the regard of, oh, I've grown out of that, I know better. Yeah. And that was a lot of what I encountered in my first year. But by the third year, people kind of chilled out a bit. And mm. right, like I said, I actually ended up coming with me to a few of them. Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Did, you, did you notice that at, university as well like this that kind of feeling of a lot of people that's kind of their their time to almost i don't use the word rebel because i don't mean it in a, mm. in a dismissive way yeah but almost like step away from maybe how they grew up and question things and particularly like religion and, and yeah. faith and things of like that aspect yeah i think because i had a fair few maybe not a fair few but a, a few friends who I know were Christian and because of the you know isolated nature of university whether you move away from home and then you're in halls and you're with people of your age who are you know completely different backgrounds and you will be in the minority that is that is the fact that God's sake that you will be in the minority but so yes I feel like that time at university was a time where you either reinforce your faith like it really cemented you or you found it or it was taken away from you whether it was through experience through um you know lack of um i guess relationship with god or lack of studying your bible because you were discovering new things trying out societies um studying whatever you were reading at university um so i think that could be a scary time, especially I think of a lockdown as well, where it was I thought horrendous for some students who had to study online the whole de- whole course, whole degree, and if anything, you're even more isolated. Yeah. Because you weren't with people your age. You weren't with. You might have been in halls, but you had your house. Maybe that would be it. Mm. And then you would go to online uni, and you'd be in your house still. Yeah. So if anything, I admire Christians who went to university then and stuck through. Um, so that can be, university can be, as with any moving out, can be a real testing time, especially when there's so many very intelligent people around you telling, me, telling you these things, and it can be quite daunting, especially for a very moldable mind, a very plastic mind. Um, so 
that I think for me, university is a great place to obviously discover things, but also a good testing, a good uh, practice ground for mm. your faith. You've both said something that that kind of makes me think that I think it's a kind of human nature in us to we're drawn to confidence, mm. respect confidence, and you've mentioned that you know for a lot of people you're you suddenly got access to these like professors, yeah. and lecturers, people that are extremely confident and competent in how they're speaking, and you're drawn to them. But in the same way where you're saying actually by the end of uni, people were even willing to come with you on a Friday. Yeah, it's huge. I, for me, I believe it's the same concept. It's for you to confidently almost live in a way that doesn't quite fit in with the norm. I think it's both things draw people towards them and I'm thinking yeah that's I think for a lot of people when they go to uni initially that is why they would maybe be tempted I would say particularly you know if you've grown up in the church and you're used to a certain way of life then it could be very tempting to suddenly dismiss it because all of a sudden you're being exposed to these confident speakers and who are maybe saying things in a way that you've not heard before mm. but I would definitely say on the flip side which was my experience of coming to faith like meeting Christians at university yes, definitely. was what drew me to the faith. Now, it's, yeah. it wasn't just that. Like, God put a lot of things, as he does, in my life that came together. But I remember the, one of the biggest things that stood out for me was I couldn't figure out why these Christians I met just seemed so content yeah, and definitely. confident in it. Because I was trying to do the uni life, go out, party meet girls i was trying to do this but the reality is deep down i wasn't that guy like i just i I knew that it wasn't (coughs) fulfilling Mm. but then i'll see these christians who would live their life in a way that um was against that it didn't make sense i was like you should be less happy than me yeah but you seem happier than me Mm. and in the end their confidence drew me towards them so what I kind of, I guess, want to want to finish on with this with this episode, a question to both of you guys is, what advice would you give people? And I, I'm particularly thinking of of the younger generation. Um, what advice would you give to people who are maybe struggling with this kind of maybe battle of feeling that you know faith and science are opposed, and maybe they have to pick one or the other. What if I start with you, Angus? What what advice would you give? I think for me, I would say be curious as far as investigate and find out why you believe in your belief. Why have you got those um, foundations there? But also surround yourself with people who are at least like minded or open minded, because for me. When I went to university, I didn't join the CU until I think my third year. So I found the first two years, I was like fighting my own battle. I had no one on the, my lines. So, and that could be, you know, that can be, I can really, you know, hone you in the fires. But I think for me then is find a group or find at least, you know, a CU or if it's a small group or it's friends or society that you share common ground with because especially at university you can get lost 
and you can um, get, because the devil is obviously a powerful, powerful force, and he will use every opportunity he can. And it can be very scary, it can be quite daunting, but that's even more reason to surround yourself with at least one group of like-minded people who share that faith with you and share that those experiences with you. So you can actually go along that journey, go along that path together in tandem. Because, you know, we're, we're being carried by God, we're being supported by God every day. And that presence is so, so welcome and so, so appreciated. Sometimes you need to see someone as well. You just need to converse with someone and not be constantly battered back or constantly being, you know, enticed by these vices, these um, temptations, because they're out there and they will use everyone he can. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I'd say, if you can, dive into your Bible, whether it's a deep dive or whether it's shallow diving, fine. But also surround yourself with at least one group of people who are of the same mind. And if you don't like to see you, fine. That's okay. If you can find it. And just, just quickly, when you yeah. say CU. Oh, Christian Union, sorry. Yeah. Christian Union that at the university. Most big universities will have one. Um, and try it out. If you don't like it, that's okay. And if you're used to your home church, your um, you know traditional church, or you're used to charismatic church, and the church, that you, the new universities, nothing like that, try it out anyway. Because there'll be people there who are in a similar boat to you, who are at uni for the first time, or have gone back to church after two years of being away. Um, so that's, yeah, my two things. Dive deep to your Bible and if you can, surround yourself. Mm, no, great advice, Angus. And then, yeah, same yeah. question addressed. Um, <coughs> sorry, I'm doing my face. Still, still, <laughs> still going to go over this cough. No worries. <clears throat> I mean, um, I'm going to approach this question, this answer in, in kind of two parts. Um, first one, with the assumption that we're talking to students or people who are considering entering a stage in their life. I'd completely agree with Angus. Finding a Christian union is incredibly helpful. Um, I didn't <laughs> in my first Fair year. Enough. In my first year. Um, I'm glad I did in my second year. Um, wish I did in my first year, honestly. But being being frank, I, I wasn't too enticed by my current Christian union at the time. Didn't really get much out of it in my first year, so I decided not to. Um, and I had the advantage of still being at home, so I, had, I went to my home church. Nice. Um, that being said, uh, do not underestimate how important it is to surround yourself around people who believe mm. who are yeah, but it, I mean it's not even just about I mean your classic atheist to say oh you're just having your indoctrination reinforced but it's less about that it's more about just being comfortable being allowed to be comfortable in an environment of people who believe the same thing as you so yes your reinforcement is part of it like being having your faith reinforced by other Christians is great but it's also just the fact that you know we are living in a world that is increasingly um content to denigrate Christianity and it's nice to just be around people where you don't have your guard up yeah right like it's agree. It's it can actually do wonders that peace can really do wonders even if your Christian union isn't that great even if the worship isn't amazing mm. or you know they haven't got the right theology like I know, I know a big thing for my Christian union was there was always a big debate about which theology and which yeah, doctrine was the right yeah. one but even in those uncomfortable debates just being around people where we can at least all agree that we have this faith um, it just sets your mind at ease and it makes it much easier for you to kind of face fears ahead. Because university is a tough place. I mean, yeah. mm. not just about the social life, but your degree is going to be likely a, mm. a tough journey. You know, you're, you're embarking on a journey where you're about to become a professional. That's not easy, right? So, you know, you don't need the stress of the world on top of all that. Um, so I'd say that. Um, but generally speaking, my second point is the stress of just 
broadly people who are struggling with the idea of faith and, and um, Christianity, uh, sorry, faith and science, Christianity and science. Um, I guess my first piece of advice is, it's an assumption, or rather, rather, rather than advice, a statement, it's an assumption that these two things have to be opposed in the first place. And it's, if you are struggling with faith and science, do the scientific thing and ask yourself, why do you think you're struggling so much? And mm. in that, because uh, for me, I, not to, you know, sound like I'm above it all, but I didn't have a huge problem accepting the fact that these two things can be linked. Yeah. Um, and part of that is due to the fact that I went to a Christian school. Uh, my primary school and secondary school were both Christian. Okay, so yeah. that, of course, I that, of course, plays a part in it. But also, with that experience, I will say... Um, it's not obvious to me that these two concepts have to be opposed to each other. And maybe those who are insisting that they are just like that conflict. And you don't necessarily have to play a part in all that. And looking at it from a face side, we're meant to be in the world, but not of the world. And mm -hmm. that means understanding the fact that you need to set your mind above these things. Mm -hmm. and, and in so doing, you realise that there is so much joy and so much fascination to be had in exploring the universe scientifically yeah. and from faith. And, you know... Nowhere in the Bible does it actually denigrate science. And, mm -hmm. and you know, just, just for fun, right before coming here, I just Googled scriptures that oppose science, right? <laughs> that, you know, that discourage the, the love of science or discourage the entire universe. And, you know, it talks about, you know, fleeing from the appearance of evil and not allowing yourself to be taken in by the world and by the devil. But nowhere does it say, do not study anything scientific. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the Gospel like, of Luke, like Luke is a doctor. He had to, yeah, yeah. within his day, he was considered a scientist. So... Yeah, it's not obvious to me that these things are opposed. And as soon as you let go of that, that notion that, you know, I'm either someone who likes science or someone who loves God and I can't be both, as soon as you let go of that notion, mm. a whole world of discovery opens up for you. We get to look at the wonders of the universe and feel like God made that and mm. black holes are terrifying. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, like, you can, <laughs> nice. look at, you can look at the, the ocean to be like, we know so little about the marine life down there. Yeah. And, you know, that's just another mystery of the faith, right? You know, mm. these two things... Everything can be intertwined because everything is intertwined. And, you know, right back to the beginning of what made us discover another science is, is knowing that there's so much happening in the world on a scientific, on a molecular level. So much is going on. And it's okay to love this and be curious about it. And, you know, the further down you go down this tunnel, the more you realise it's got on the other side of it, in my opinion. Yeah. No, thank you. And, look, guys, I just want to say uh, I've truly enjoyed this this conversation thank you on, on thank a you personal level no yeah yeah you're welcome very much welcome and i think you know i i've enjoyed it i think people listening will be able to really get a lot from this and i'll i'll say probably my biggest takeaway from this on a personal level has been yeah to really like embrace being excited about yeah. the things of this world mm -hmm. and like you were just saying there duras there's there's no need for this sort of opposition that, that we can struggle with to think yeah. that, you know, it's either or. Either you, you put the science book down or you put the Bible down. Yeah. Um, but you can't be reading both at the same time. And I just want to finish on, on a verse, um, which is in the book of Hebrews, it's chapter 3, verse 4. And it says, For every house has a builder, but the one who built everything is God. And I feel that that kind of captures like very well what we're talking about that you know every house does have a builder there's you know there's no reason to be afraid of science if you're a christian or to not explore things and how and why they're built 
But the builder of everything is God. He's the one that created everything. He's the one that knows the intricacies of how everything is put together. Um, and there's no reason for the two sort of ideas not to, not to coexist. Yeah. So again, guys, as we wrap up, I just want to say again, thank you very much uh, for joining us. I think we'd love to have you back. Sure. I feel yeah. that there's definitely a part two that we can have with this <laughs> yeah, pretty episode. Tough. No, <laughs> happy to. to do it. There's so much that we, we can examine with this. But look, as always, for everyone listening, I, I appreciate your time. We pray that you've been blessed and that God's been able to speak to you in, in some way about this. And we will be back, um, I believe, in a month's time with another episode. But until then, thank you very much and God bless. God bless. God bless.